Hi everyone. Obviously we're going to be continuing with our series uh, on Philippians this morning. I'm going to be taking us through a key passage in a bit. But I also just wanted to check in with you all this morning as well. We've obviously just had our Vision Night with Q&A and if you weren't able to get there, had an amazing turnout. But if you weren't able to get there, those notes um, should be with you. If you don't get our emails, uh, then please sign up and then you'll make sure you get uh, information like that as when we produce it. We also released a new org chart and uh, you've seen from various emails and updates and indeed that evening that we've got a whole bunch of stuff happening at the moment to try and keep us together as a community, but not just to hold us together as a family of God's people, but also to um, keep reaching out um, to to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ in Chesterfield, Sheffield, wherever else we find ourselves. That obviously is absolutely vital. But I'm also aware of how difficult life is at the moment. Um, for everyone, really. We all have different levels of capacity, different levels of ability to cope with strains and stresses. And one person's story is always different to another's. And no person's stuff um, is the same as another person's. Every household runs itself differently. But I am noticing something, not not particularly in RK. I'm saying I'm not saying it because I've I've got an agenda here. I've just noticed something. Obviously, I'm leading ministry and networks around the UK, and I'm noticing the deep impact the lockdown is having on people now more than at any uh, previous time when we've been placed under measures, whether it was tears or national lockdowns. I've noticed that. Uh, People's kids are struggling, um, families are struggling, marriages are struggling, people are wrestling with loneliness when they're not living in a family unit. Um, there's all kinds of stuff happening out there at the moment, for which life is just difficult. And we know there's gonna be economic pressure, uh, job losses are inbound. All, the, all these things are a reality that we're living with. And yes, the, the vaccines are going out and that's all great, but I just wanted to remind us all that yes, it's tough. So let's be super kind to each other and to yourselves. I just think that's so important at the moment. Don't expect too much of yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. Be kind and just be kind and gracious to one another. People's emotions are super high. And it's okay to slow things down, to not get things completed, to you know, uh, uh, not get through a whole day of homeschooling, <laughs> to not expect homework to be done on time, all, all of these things. I, there's just a lot of pressure at the moment. So do what you need to do to be kind to yourself, to one another, to cheer each other on, write letters, send messages, whatever. Uh, hug your kids, um, try and smile together once a day at least. But let's uh, remember emotions are high and people are processing their feelings a lot differently to normal. This is not normal times, we know that. 
so we're not responding in normal ways. So let's just be gracious and kind, take deep breaths wherever possible, and let's just spur one another one. I just wanted to say that. Love you all. I think, you know, we're all holding together beautifully. There's lots of grace flying around the church at the moment. So there's, there's no real reason why I'm saying this other than that I've noticed that um, the strain on people's faces is more evident now than it was um, maybe even a month ago or even a couple of weeks ago. But we will get through this and the light will shine again. That's a fact because it will, because God is God and he loves us and he's got us. So we're going to be okay. But in the meantime, let's spur one another on. Um, having said all of that, let's, let's take a look at these verses. Josh's sermon last week, fantastic. And it just set me up brilliantly for this. I'm looking at Philippians 2 verse uh, 5 onwards. Now, um, we need to set these verses again in their context. And uh, verses 1 to 4 do set the context. This, these verses are, are all about character. Some people have used these verses, as I read them, to, to develop a, uh, a Christian understanding around something called kenosis, which is that God, Jesus, completely emptied himself of the divine nature. And then, therefore, you know, there's all kinds of implications around that. You know, he wasn't God, fully God. Um, the divine nature was emptied a bit and people use that around uh, the theology for praying for people to be healed you know if Jesus could do it because he was emptied of his divinity so can we we're just like him that's actually not what this passage is about and actually that theology is wrong <laughs> so uh, I firmly believe uh, Jesus did not uh, lose any of his divine nature when he walked on the earth he just added uh, being a human being to what he already was. Um, so that's not what this passage is about. The, the best thing you can do with the Bible is not to read isolated verses, you see. If you read an isolated verse, you can make the Bible say whatever it is you want. Now, I've explained this before. The classic ones around this are Matthew 18. Where, where it says in the Bible, where two or three gather, there I'm in the midst of them, and whatever you ask for in my name, I'll give you. People say, oh, if I ask for a Ferrari, I'll get one. And I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. That's, that's, that's because you've taken a verse out of context. Actually, those verses are set within the context of conflict resolution. Now, I've mentioned that, as I said, but it's just a reminder. What's so important is we set chapters within the context of the entirety of, of what this book's trying to say. And... And what we know is there is probably some conflict going on. Um, people may not have been behaving themselves uh, brilliantly well. And so this letter to the people in Philippi is a reminder to operate in unity, which Josh spoke about, bearing a shield over one another, carrying a shield. Now, the, the, the Roman soldiers at the time would not hold a shield over themselves, but over the man next to them. So you had to rely on each other uh, for protection. You got each other's backs. So then Philippians 2 is all about character. Let's read this. This is what it says. I'll take it from verse 4 and then it will roll us beautifully into verse 5. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests but also for the interests of others. And in verse 5, this is the example. 
adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his own good purpose. And it finishes by saying, do everything without grumbling and arguing, which speaks to itself, but that's the beginning of next week's talk. So this here, this is all about character. And the example that we're given is Christ. You should adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Now, Let's try and understand this um, because it's a bit mind-blowing. Just a reminder, really, that Jesus didn't start his life in a stable. Uh, a lot of people think that Jesus was just a baby in a manger and that's where it all began. No, no, no. That's not where it began. Jesus has always been. He was there at the beginning of the creation of the universe and even before that. For by him and through him, the Bible says, all things were made. He was in the throne room of heaven with God. He is God. He sees the beginning and the end he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the Holy One. We are sustained nanosecond by nanosecond by His grace. He has power beyond comprehension. You can't adequately find words to describe him. Just how powerful he is. Do you know, in Isaiah, there's a passage where it says that one angel from heaven killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And the Bible says, well, Jesus said of himself, at one point, do you not know when he was arrested and um, you know one of the Roman soldiers got their ear cut off 
And Jesus says, stop. Do you not know I could call down 12 legions of angels if I want to? Over 70,000 angels. <laughs> One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in Isaiah. What Jesus is trying to tell us is, you have no comprehension as to how powerful I am. And yet, this is what I chose to do. I chose to take on the likeness of a human. The Greek words in here imply, when it says took on the nature of a human, the likeness of humanity, existing in the form of God, but took on the likeness of humanity, the Greek words imply that there is an unchangeable form that he had. His being was unchangeable. He would always be divine. So that's why I don't believe he empties himself for another reason. I don't even think that's what this passage is trying to say. But he chose, despite having all of that power, to limit himself in our view and to be born in a backwater place to start life as a baby and live amongst an oppressed people train in a building trade and then be mocked and shamed and whipped and nailed to a lump of wood despite being divine but he could have literally have done anything he wanted the, the, this is something that is just so hard for us to grasp I believe if we grasped it Perhaps you wouldn't have so much trouble with our little petty rows and our difficulties and our egos. He chose low position. And yet he was the creator of the universe. So he emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, humbled himself, to the point of death. What does this look like for us in our daily lives? It means to walk humbly. It doesn't matter how qualified you are, how much money you have in the bank, what your career looks like or not, how sophisticated we are. To God, it doesn't actually mean a whole lot. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Um, it means as we walk in humility, we become servant-like. In fact, in the original language here, it talks about being a bond servant, uh, a, a slave. We need to learn what it means to lay our lives down. We need to learn what it means to spend our lives in service of others. Do you know, one of the best ways for you to find healing is not to look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. 
it's the, it's the genius system actually for living your life well. Live your life thinking about the needs of other people. You know, so many people in leadership, I see them sometimes making decisions for what will bless them or make life easier for them. But actually, as a leader, a kingdom leader, you're making decisions for what would be best for everyone else and not you. But this should be true also of our daily interactions and our daily lives. That we live out our lives for other people. We humble ourselves. And we look to bless others. There's these verses I was looking at earlier in 1 Chronicles. Um, it says this, uh, when David commissioned Solomon, he says, Know the God of your father, and serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the intention of every thought. It's good to examine why we do what we do. Are we walking in humility? Are we serving? Are we willing to lay our lives down for each other? Are we willing to put others first before us? I think these things are so important. Remembering the example of Christ who was despised and rejected. Are we, are we living with uncrucified ambition? I, I had a dream a while back in which I really felt the Lord speak to me. I've, I've been interesting lately. I've been dreaming very vivid dreams. I believe it does say that old men will dream dreams. Some birthday's coming up. But I've had these vivid dreams and um, in one of them I, I felt the Lord say to me, I was, I was walking down the path with an old teacher and this old teacher looked me in the eye. There was a bunch of other things in this dream which I won't go into at the moment. But this old teacher looked me in the eye. These things are growing quite fast and lots of stuff's happening out there with some of the other things I'm involved in. And they said, Carl, I'd like to go quietly on the way. It'll be loud and noisy when you arrive, but just go quietly on the way. And only minutes previously in this dream, I'd, I'd saw Boris Johnson walking towards me and uh, I got pushed out of the way by someone I know who's very senior in government. And I remember thinking, oh, that's all right, they don't know me. But I woke up from this dream thinking, a lot of people I know have pursued the OBE, the, the awards, this, that, and the other. I felt like the Lord said to me, just stay out of it, just stay out of all of that, and just keep your head down, son. Just quietly build, don't shout about things, just, just quietly get on with it. And then only the other day, I found myself involved in several phone calls each person that I was talking to, or Zoom calls actually, each person I was talking to offered me a mixture of position, platform, and money. Not personally, but for the ministries that I was building, but personal platform and position. Several times in one week. And these words were just echoing around my mind, just go quietly along the way just go quietly along the way and actually over the last bit of time I've 
personally deliberately step back from a lot of platforms and a lot of these kinds of meetings. Partly because I just think it's the way the Lord operated. He would do amazing things, wouldn't he, the Lord, then just disappear into the shadows. Now, I'm not doing amazing things, but I do think it's good to walk humbly and quietly and in the shadows. Are you wrestling with uncrucified ambition? Are your motives pure? Do you look at people who are at the front with envy, maybe at work? Remember Jesus. He was God. He's God. He stepped out of the throne room of heaven and got born in a manky manger, in a stable. Was a refugee, was despised, spat upon, whipped and killed. And still loves us. The ultimate example is Jesus Christ, who lived amongst us and laid his life down and rose again, bearing the wounds of the cross for eternity to make a way for us. The next time you're feeling a little bit, well, maybe up yourself or whatever, remember that. That's the one that we follow. Let's humble ourselves, serve others, lay our lives down, and live a life of grace, compassion and kindness as a result. It also says in Chronicles, for the eyes of the Lord range the earth, looking for those who are committed to him and he will strengthen them. Serve the Lord, do the right thing, lay your life down, he'll strengthen you and our reward will be in heaven. Have a blessed week. Keep looking up. Marvel on the humility and wonder of Christ. God bless you.